0: So I'm um, I'm starting to take this very personally because every single time we're speaking to Anna, there are times when he when she makes us feel like you know Joburg get your act together, Joburg you don't have it going on. Anna Trepido, our food critic, is on the line with me. I wish she was here in person because Anna. We do. You punch me? <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, I am much ruder about Cape Town <laughs> than I ever am about Johannesburg. But um... uh, uh, listen, we—it's okay. <laughs> you know, we're not that bad, and uh, it's—we—we've got some. I mean, I, the problem is that I can count them only on one finger, but on one hand, but—and look, the, they are complete superheroes. That yeah. the thing is, is that.
1: It's about, you know, as Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that Johannesburg restaurateurs, that people that are still in business, mm. you know, that, that if the new president wants to do something to redeem himself from being the man that owned all those shares in the McDonald's and, you know, caused such a lot of heart disease and diabetes, he needs to start giving medals to the surviving chefs in Johannesburg who, you know, that that they have been through mm. the worst 18 months in history. And anybody who mm. is still standing you know, is remarkable. So I am not in any way knocking Johannesburg and those restaurateurs who have managed to kind of keep viable businesses that keep their children's and children in schools and all of that. Um, but, the environment in which restaurants operate in Pretoria is in some ways easier. You know, everybody's had a difficult time economically, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if you are in a city that is based, you know, the economy is based on government and diplomats rather than on business, you know, you go on having a viable business proposition in difficult economic times because, you know, People who work for government and and diplomats aren't spending their own money in restaurants, mm, so they mm. go on spending it. You know mm. that they, they go on having long lunches and business meetings and all of those things because the nature of how they you know they have expense accounts. Those people essentially, and that that. Shows in the restaurant.
0: Yeah, no, I mean obviously, and and you know when you're also using other currency, it's it's always easier and so on. Exactly.
1: So, so yeah, that, I mean, you just want to see how kind of international diplomats, mm-hmm. how many cognacs, and um, you know they still have three course meals, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they're the people that that are going into the cigar rooms mm-hmm. and that kind of thing because they're working in. Different currency, and mm. they are not spending
0: their own money. So let me let me ask you this before we go into the the restaurant of choice for this week. What, in your view, Anna, makes a great restaurant? You know, I think it, it's different things in different places,
1: and you know that. Firstly, for me, when a restaurant delivers what it promises, that's what makes for a great restaurant. So you can be the world's humblest. Sanyama, or chip shop or, or kind of little curry joint on the corner street if you do what you say you're going to do that's infinitely better than being some place that's got sort of fancy decor and on the menu it says you're going to get I don't know, hollandaise and then that's not what comes or they say there's going to be truffles in the pasta and what there is is actually fake truffle oil and those kinds of things but, so first of all just telling the truth, I think, is is enormously important for customers. Um, and then, secondly, I don't know about you, but there's lots of people who can cook like minor birds. You know that, that they are very good mimics, so mm-hmm. they're technically uh, very strong, and that can make for lovely things. But the difference
2: between lovely and seriously great is when you find a chef who's genuinely putting something of themselves onto those plates. But that's, I suppose, the difference
1: between art and craft is that, um, mm. you know, you are giving some kind of insight into where you've been, where you're going, the way your mind works, in the way that you cook. And I think that that, that there, there are a few chefs who do that, but that there are some, and it's really, it's brave and scary to stand up and say, this is who I
0: am, because then people can say, I don't like that. You know, but so, it can be hard. So... I, and I hear that, but you know, as a consumer, some of the promises that 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 is made, I can't verify that. So, if they say and I go just on good faith that this is a sustainable restaurant, and I can't verify that, yeah, there's no way of telling if they're lying so or not. There's such a lot of fiddling around issues of
1: sustainability, organic, etc. There are ways of telling, and one of them is just to start quizzing the, the staff, you know, mm-hmm. that, that quite often, you know, people will make claims, for instance, about the sustainability of their ingredients, and then you think, but there's crayfish on the menu, <laughs> or... <laughs> Norwegian uh, salmon. Norwegian salmon. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. or just people are... You think, well, okay, what do you mean when you say organic jam? That Do you mean that the fruit was organic? Do you mean that the sugar was organic? What... What, what what are you actually telling me? And I think that you know your best bet is often if the waiters can't tell you, it suggests that the owners haven't put the kind of care and attention into training said waiters and giving them the information, which suggests that owners are not that interested. Hmm. So I th- I think that yeah that, that there's a lot of fibbing going on out there, and that you really have to to ask. Um, but it's, it's yeah. It's people tell an awful lot of fibs. But beyond even that kind of fib, often what they do is they just try and and talk things up in ways. Mm. Think, really, I don't need you to tell me there's truffles when there's not. What I need you to do is, you know, do what you do honestly and competently, and at a reasonable price. Yeah. But mm. um so yeah. That that I would say that that. Good restaurants start in
2: truth.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's now go to the restaurant of choice. Why this particular restaurant? Well, actually, what I want to do is talk
1: about several Pretoria restaurants because they they illustrate the point that I'm making about Pretoria, which is that, you know, what you've got is you, you have this big diplomatic community that where you have diplomats, you have high end restaurants in a range of ethnic genres, so you don't just get kind of endlessly, you know, the kind of same old, same old Eurocentric restaurants, because suddenly, if you've got Cameroonian diplomats, they are going to be wanting Cameroonian food. Mm. If you've got um, chefs in town who arrived as the chef to the Belgian ambassador and then sort of thought, oh, this is a nice city, I could live here and open their own restaurant. You know, so that it those sorts of things. So there is a man called Felix Lacour, mm-hmm. who is a chef who arrived in South Africa. He's exactly one of those chefs. He, he arrived as the chef and butler to the Ivorian ambassador. And after about 10 years being the chef and butler, he decided to open a restaurant. It's called Delice d'Afrique. Mm-hmm. And it's on the corner of Glynn and Francis Bard in Hatfield, which anybody that's ever been to the British consulate, it's right opposite the British consulate. Hmm. And it's a funny little island sort of uh, surrounded by embassies and fancy car dealerships. And so at night, there is nothing there except this kind of West African restaurant. Um, Because everybody else has gone home and all the diplomats are in in restaurants Mm. drinking cognac. Um, And so there is this, West African restaurant, mm-hmm. and he really is—he is a very classy chef, doing kind of beautiful, interesting things with jollof rice and, uh, you know, Thompson fish are always—I love Thompson fish—that it's—it's—they it, are smoked and. Almost invariably, West African restaurants, they don't bring you knives and forks. So, you know, this morning, I had the Thompson fish last night, and this morning, you know, yeah, it, it ah, is due to <laughs> absolutely everything that, you know, that I'm going to have to, like, do a kind of valet clean on my car, because on the way home, I had washed my hands, but on the way home, I, you know, touched the steering wheel, and, you know you're in trouble when people plonk like a, a big bottle of what you think. Well, is this mayonnaise? What is this? And it turns out what it is is it's hyacinth scented hand cream. You know, it's like, you know, but a beautiful, delicious fish, lovely plantain. You know, that just a, a sort of um, yeah, a, a really nice little. It's it, it's 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 like having a a little holiday into the Ivory Coast without having to get on a plane. You know that. Um, that I I the week before, I went to a really lovely Cameroonian restaurant um, mm-hmm. on Steve Biko Street. But they just, you know, they had a whole lot of spices that I really, I was so unfamiliar with. And I thought this is a whole other language of kind of for, for your taste buds, you know. So um, that's, that's called Kamnikona. Um, and then, you know, just things like the other day, my little boys wanted to go to Bounce. So there we were, jump, jump, jump. And after they had done their jumping, I said, well, let's have a treat. And I took them to Forties Bar and Grill in Menlyn in Pretoria. Mm-hmm. And you think, here again is Pretoria, that this is now a third generation um, chef, Pretoria Italian chef, that they are doing classy, consistent food, that all the staff have been there for 30 years, that... You know, it just makes for a whole other experience. Whereas, you know, if you keep closing down because the economy can't sustain it, then your staff start all over again every time. And, you know, you can't build up relationships with customers. And so I think Pretoria is, is a very delicious place to be. And people should often should get in the car and come to Pretoria if they want a really oh. special meal.
0: I'm now converted. I'm going to come. I'm going to do it. There's someone here, uh, uh, Anna, who wants to talk about restaurants in Pretoria. Dudu, hi. Thanks for calling, Dudu. Hi, how are you? Good. Hello. Thanks, my dear. Hello, hello. So I want to tell you guys, uh, hi, Anna, I want to tell you guys in terms of Pretoria.
2: Mm. Much of it, it's wonderful at this moment. We mm. find that customers um, are, are, are very difficult mm. to actually open yeah. up uh, their purses. Uh, um, yeah. It takes longer to, 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 to actually grow them into your restaurant. For instance, we have one in Victoria Street, in a very, like, um open place where it's visible and conducive just at, at, at the Department of Justice called the at Grill Boutique. And it's, it's, it's really quite nice, and it targets really the, the kind of like, a middle and slightly lower uh, class, where we have a plate, a full great plate of food buffet, for like three point five rents, and and it's hard, and people yeah, claim that no, it's expensive sure. for them, and it's a beautiful place to sit in, wow. and it's only five days a week, uh, Monday to Friday, sometimes later on Fridays as well, people chill there, and drink, and all of that, but it's hard, um, sure. so so it's not so. easy, Even government as well, it's difficult mm. these days, mm. so it's not so easy. Sure. I don't so know what I wish people in Dubai could come through this side because recently maybe Dover was doing better. In terms
1: of restaurants. Yeah. And you know the thing about Pretoria is that people want big portions Mm. at cheap prices as well. So if you are a customer in in Pretoria, you get I mean you seriously roll out of the restaurants in terms of of the, the size the amount of food that is on the plate.
0: Wow, Dudu, yeah. thanks very much for that uh, for highlighting that. Because I think what Dudu is saying is that yes, there are these high-end restaurants that perhaps get the diplomats in, but what about the ones in the middle where it's not really targeting the big embassies? They are the ones that are suffering at the moment.
1: Look, I think everybody's suffering. Mm. Um, it, it's a question of relative suffering, mm. um, and you know, it, in Joburg. There's a, there's a difference between suffering and bankrupt. Yeah, and I think that that yeah. in relative terms, Pretoria is is slightly more floating in terms yeah. of of that kind of restaurant scene. You know, absolutely, she's right that any, any running any restaurant anywhere in the world is the hardest job in the world. That I would rather be a brain surgeon in terms of the skill required, <laughs> in terms of the you know that, that it is it is such a complex job yeah. and. If you add in uh, a complex economy as well, then you know, they're, they're heroes, these people. And yep. we, you know, there are artistic awards for all sorts of other people, singers, players. And I know all the, the sculptors are now going to phone in and say, oh, but we don't get enough awards either. But when was the last time you saw a chef or a restaurateur being honored by the president? You know, it absolutely never happens, whereas... It does sometimes happen to the ballet dancers.
0: Hmm. Anna Trepida, just food for thought there, and she's the author of "Eat, Ding," that's the name of the book, and "Hunger for Freedom." Anna, that is Anna Trepido, a food critic, just making us think a little bit.